0: Ciao, I'm Alice Rosthorne, and welcome to the Enzo Mari Costellazione podcast series, a collaboration between me and Hans Ulrich Obrist, curator of the Enzo Mari Retrospective at Triennale Milano. And hello, Hans Ulrich. Hi, Alice. Hi. He... Is joining me for the final podcast in the series, which aptly is with Stefano Boeri, a man who rivals Hans Ulrich for hyper-productivity as a leading architect, urbanist, academic, design theorist, curator, cultural leader, and much, much more. Born and based in Milan, Stefano has an incredible CV, which includes far too many prestigious projects to name internationally, but also rooting him firmly in his home city. He's a former councillor for culture in Milan and former editor of Domus and Abitare, as well as the architect of one of the city's most beloved recent architecture projects, the beautifully vegetated Bosca Verticale, or vertical forest apartments, completed in 2014. Stefano has since adapted that Milan prototype for construction in several dozen cities worldwide, and he's now in his third year as chairman of one of Milan's most prestigious institutions, the Trianale Milano. But wherever he's been and whatever he's been doing, Stefano has always been a loyal and passionate champion of Enzo Mari and has played a pivotal role in nurturing the recent surge of interest in Mari's work, both in Italy and internationally. So Stefano, thank you so much for joining us. And let's begin at the beginning and how you first encountered Enzo Mari.
1: Well, I knew Enzo Mari since a long time because my mother, Cini, is uh, and was an architect and a designer. And uh, in the 60s and the 70s, uh, Cini, together with uh, Marco Zanuso, Nico Magistretti, uh, Gaio Lenke, and then a little bit later, Alessandro Mendini, uh, and together with other amazing architect and designers like. Uh, a group coming from the radical movement, that were, they, they were part of uh, a revolutionary movement who was uh, really changing the history, of, uh, the history of international design. So I knew Enzo uh, because uh, Enzo was part of that movement. But at the same time, I, I, I had a very clear memory of how Enzo was, a, was a, let's say, a solitary person and that uh, his path, his uh, direction work, and also his ethical approach to design was absolutely peculiar. Uh, so I, I believe that uh, he, he was, uh, let's say, uh, always trying to uh, evolve uh, following his own obsession. And uh, uh, that's why I uh, met Enzo uh, uh, really in a, let's say, as a personal uh, relation only when I started to, to, to my, my, my direction uh, in, in uh, my editorial direction in Domus in 2003. So honestly, only at that very moment, I started to, 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 to frequent also from a personal private point of view, uh, inso, and so, uh, and, and it was great because we started to do many things together. We, I invited him to teach at Politecnico. We also tried to develop many projects together. And, uh, well, I think it was, was, was probably one of the most uh, uh, important uh, contracts I had in my life.
0: And I'm so glad you had it because it was your work at Domus that introduced me to Enzo Mari and his incredible work. Um, so I'm so grateful to you for doing so. Hans-Orek.
2: Yeah, actually, um, uh, it's really wonderful to be together in this podcast because it feels like a big reunion, a um, uh, reunion after the extraordinary encounter we all had with Enzo in Rem um pavilion, the three of us with Rem and Enzo. And I wanted to ask you actually, Stefano, how Mari's work and methodology has evolved over, over the years, because there are so many dimensions to him which we address in the retrospective. It would be great to hear you talk about his evolution.
1: Yeah, no. well, I, I believe Mari in is a, is a constellation uh, because he, during his uh, lifetime, he has created an amazing uh, array of, of works. No? Made from paper, wood, uh, pottery, iron, steel, and and uh, that are let's say moving between the spheres of art, design, architecture, graphic design, and uh, and there are now in collection everywhere in the world. But but at the same time, um, at the same time, I think that uh, in Tamares, uh, Kyiv, it's composed by two let's say uh, dimensions. One is a uh, is the sequence of monologues. Monologue. So you are talking about what was happening at a certain time. No? So this that was an amazing, uh, let's say, uh, declination of uh, its attitude to develop monologues of ingenuity uh, and rage. No? Like, uh, wow. But at the same time, he uh, was also uh, the author of, 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 an, of an amazing, vibrant variety of works. No? And uh, so it's uh, it's so so unbelievable how this uh, two dimension, so let's say uh, monologs and works, uh, share uh, a common uh, a common ethical dimension. No? Let's say uh, constant tension uh, to 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 let's say a, an obsessive call to work, no work work as a key expression of human nature uh he was many times uh talking about uh he was against uh laxity no um the true enemy for answer was lax la- laxity and uh and and the work was really at the center like a kind of no? so, uh, yeah, but I the work ethic is uh, everywhere at the center always at the center of its uh, uh of generosity and so on and uh, so I don't know if, has, just to answer to I don't believe it was this an evolution because uh, there is always a lot of constituency. All, all of the Enzo Mori's work uh, uh, features this ethical dimension that has work at the centre of his attention.
0: And how important have Enzo Mori's politics been to... His work, and also how do his ideologies fit into the broader context of Italian politics at the time?
1: Ah, uh, in a very, very uh, indirect way. Um, he was not; he was never uh, directly involved in politics. Uh, but uh, he was uh, uh, probably one of the most uh, uh, radical. Uh, Critique of uh, the kind of, uh, let's say, commercial and speculative uh, declination of a certain part of Italian design. So I I I believe that what he has done and uh, his legacy, his legacy it's uh, basically about uh, its capacity to work. Uh, uh, using uh, uh, a process of reduction. So, uh, if you if you if you try to just to give you an example, uh, to observe uh, three or four or five of his most uh, successful works. Let's say the the the, the serial classic uh, cover design for Adelphi, you know, '63, or the gear design in 1958, or the chair the chair for self-construction chair that, and well, they, they, uh, they are so different uh, in mat- using different materials within different fields also, uh, but, but they share uh, this obsession, no? Of uh, it's a process of reduction because uh, he was used to explore all the possible alternatives in order to arrive to one unique. Uh, solution and uh, this process of reduction using also this idea of mathematics, you know, we at the beginning and using numbers, so what's finally uh, an amazing way to transform this ethical approach in a design process and that for me was extremely, extremely important so was was such a strong uh, tool against, uh, not simply but also against uh, let's say this Sometimes a kind of superficial and very, very they say easy way to answer to the demand of the market. Uh, what NC will always say that I'm against the market because the market is not able to to express the real demands. We have to uh, if we want to take in seriously consideration the demands of people, we have to uh, to, 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 to start by ourselves the work of exploration and reduction. So I believe that this is a, such a strong political, but to the design world, uh, although it has never been directly related to a political activity.
0: And how do you feel his stature within Italian design and design in general has changed over the years? You described your first encounter with him as part of the radical design group. Um, that realizing that he was a solitary figure within it. Um, so, how do you feel he's been viewed?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Well, I, I, I think there is a, sometimes there are some amazing, uh, uh, how you can I say, it? Uh, moment where, where where entire life uh, and the entire um, relation between bunch of people is. Uh, come up, in a way, so uh, synthesized. Let's think, I, I have always this image of the cover of uh, of the Domus issue, I think it was April 25, 2005. Uh, together with Hans, we were uh, trying to, to to gather the five uh, maestries of the Italian design of the moment, so we have invited uh, Ettore Rozzas, Enzo, Mari, Alessandro Mendini, uh, Andrea Brandi and, and Vico Magistretti. And we invited them for a dinner. And uh, <laughs> we invited them for a dinner. And uh, Ramak, Ramak Fazel, who was an amazing photographer, uh, was, was just before the dinner with Hans and me. Uh, we asked them to take a picture of them together. And uh, the cover of the, of the tissue is, is, a, is a, exactly the reproduction of the, of this photograph of that picture was is amazing because the, the the position of the bodies and of the of the uh, of the five, it's uh, the best is a, a manifesto at the same time, and it's the best, uh, let's say, um, confirm of uh, the uh, human and cultural and political relation there between them then. So, Uh, Ettore and and Enzo are talking together. Ettore is designing a a, a sun and an eye in the sun, and uh, Enzo and Ettore were so different but so close. They both share this kind of ethical dimension. Then, on the other side, completely outdated, Vico. Vico Magistrati was, uh, uh, compared to the other, the most. professional. So it's a really uh, a very serious and uh, rigorous uh, evolution of a professional position in the design field. Uh, in between this and some and Vico, we had uh, Andrea and Alessandro. And both uh, are, uh, let's say, alone. So they have no relationship. They, they are saving so the, the photographer. So I think that scene is uh, like, a, like a fresco of renaissance, when I see that thing, I, I believe this is so unbelievable. No? So, it's, uh, so I, I think we, in that picture, we have all the cues that we need to understand how was the relation between the five persons.
2: Yeah, I want to ask you, Stefano, because um, we are showing many different aspects of Mari in the exhibition. Mari, the designer, yeah. Mari, industrial designer, Mari the visual artist, Mari, the the pedagogue, the teacher, Mari, the exhibition designer, and so on, and Mari, the activist. One thing which cannot be in the exhibition because it has not been documented are his extraordinary impromptu speeches, which he made voicing discontent about the design world. And many of these speeches happened in your house, in the dinners, Maddalena and you organize, (laughs) in uh, the viadonistetics. I wanted to ask we you, had, tell us uh, yeah, about yeah. this <laughs> aspect, because it's, it's missing in the exhibition, so through you telling us, we can bring it into the podcast.
1: Yeah, I remember there was another one, another dinner we, we organized together in the Adonizetti, I think it was probably uh, some yeah before the first we organized with Domus. and uh, well during the Salone, you know, was during the Salone. And, uh, I don't remember exactly who was there, but I was like, uh, I remember probably it was Daha, David Ajay, uh, Vito Conci, and we have a bunch of, uh, like, like a long table with all around the table. And Enzo, <laughs> at a certain moment, started to insult everybody, yeah. no? Saying, well, you you don't, have, you don't have the feeling of what we have to do. You, you, are, you, you cannot understand what is the real issue. About design, uh, uh, all what is happening around us is a is a fear. It's a it's a, let's say a kind of uh, uh, superficial uh, celebration of, of the market of the of the worst character of the of the of the global market. Uh, so what uh, was what has uh, <laughs> happened many times, but in that occasion was so strong was a. Another demonstration of its necessity to to keep a distance, to 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 maintain a distance. So he was always very concerned about being a considered part of what he was considering a mediocrity field. So uh, I understand this is, a, is is something that we have to now to uh, to to observe with a certain also Let's say. But what I think is amazing in Enzo, so, no, what we really think is amazing in Enzo, so more than any other things, is how he's capable to uh, touch the dimension of classics, of classicism. So he he is is unbelievably, uh, uh, for me, always unexpected how if we observe what he has done in the sixteenth, the 70s, you, we cannot, uh, I think that, uh, Hans, what you have done with the exhibition is, is so important because you have demonstrated that it's impossible to create a chronology on, on about uh, 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 Mare's uh, work evolution. Uh, because of, uh, you feel this, uh, uh, let's say, uh, capacity to, to touch, to, to arrive towards the status of true plastics, no? Uh, his pieces are classics, uh, apparently untouched by fashions uh, and change in taste. No? It's, uh, it's uh, so, so unique from that point of view. And uh, I cannot forget that when I was appointed uh, as Consul for Culture, as Alice was saying, it, uh, 10 years ago, I asked Vinzo to do something together in Palazzo Reale, so in Piazza Duomo, it's one of the most. Important place and in the Milano culture of and, and uh, what he asked me was, but are you available to to do something of unique? I say, well, for sure, I, I ask you to do something. So what I'd love to have is uh, uh, to have in the in the big uh, uh, sala of uh, of Palazzo Reale together. Uh, he was saying only 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 few pieces of the. Uh, of the masters of our art. So he was saying, I want to be together with Giotto, Masaccio, Deo della Francesca, Raffaello, Michelangelo. Stop. And he was saying, I think that uh, we, the the, schools, that we need to to redefine the role of schools using museums, using exhibition space as schools. And uh, these pieces. Few pieces of this maestri are unique. School we could develop today, and that was at the same time a kind of, uh, let's say, uh, honest uh, confirm of his attention to the dimension of classes. Timeless.
2: Thank you, Alice.
0: Um, well, what an extraordinary group of role models he chose um, for himself and. I'm interested, Stefano, in the degree to which Mari's work and his thinking has influenced your own practice and your broader understanding of design and architecture.
1: Well, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult question for me. I, I for sure, was was very important. Um, for sure, was very important. We we. I remember well, something we did together, like for instance, at, at Politecnico, uh, we, we were working together and uh, and then uh, another thing was very important for me when I asked him to to develop for a series of lectures, and he was uh, let's say really taking uh, this this demand in a, such a serious migration that he was uh, working on that for for two months to to to. Write and design, drawing. So this lecture that we are publishing on on Abitare and the lecture were about. Or the first was about the art of uh, drawing, and he was saying, "I'm against uh, all uh, what uh, create the distance between the mind and hand." He you know? was like a a, a, a strong uh, in about the necessity to go back to the use of hand in uh, in the creation process. And uh, so I, I, I remember that moment very well because it was a moment in where I was also trying to go back to use of and uh, as a designer. So and uh, and and he was saying that. Um, and then another point was very important for him was uh, was uh, the, let's say the kind of uh, celebration of this uh, uh, of the capacity of kids to 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 conserve spontaneity in creativeness uh, uh, and and how he was used to 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 to, to joke with kids, but because another part, the very dimension, very important of the, of uh, of Mario production is about joke, it's about uh, the play, sorry, it's about the play, it's about the the, the art of, uh, of playing the art of, uh, 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 of this kind of subtile uh, irony that he is putting in this dimension. And of, of children, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. He remains a, ch- a child in a way, so till now it, And uh, and then probably the, the thing that most influenced my life is, it's Enzo uh, uh, and Leia, because Enzo uh, is Enzo, but uh, is Enzo and Leia always? So uh, the love they have. There is in this uh, last book by Leah. It talks about many things about Bass Naples, it talks about uh, Arte Povera, it talks about the relation with Germano Cielo, and then it in Milano. But then there is a chapter about Enzo. The question is how, what, how you can describe No, No, Elena says Enzo is a storm.
2: Wow. Really, what I wanted to ask you both um, is about an anecdote about Enzo, because I mean, I have so many experiences. Which we're also going to tell, you know, in, in the show and in the book um, of experiences with, with Enzo, extraordinary anecdotes, like when we invited him to UAF in Venice and all of that. And I wanted to ask you both to tell us about one special anecdote you experienced with Enzo Mari.
1: Uh, Alice,
0: please, up to you. OK. Well, my special anecdote would be the now notorious Serpentine Gallery Enzo Mari Night, um, which, as Hans had said, was a collaboration with um, Stefano and his team who came over from Milan for it with Mari. And it was when Hans had just arrived at the Serpentine. And... Um I spotted it on an E flyer or something and thought, oh my god, Enzo Murray in London. Um, I cannot miss this. So my friend Emily and I turned up and it was a typical London September evening, starting off quite mild, rapidly becoming freezing cold. And um, Enzo Mari began speaking about his work and he then glowered um, in a particularly dark and determined way from the stage because he'd spotted Rem Koolhaas sitting in the front row of the audience wearing, although this may have been unassociated with the glowering, um, a sort of bright green Robin Hood hat with a large, rather flamboyant feather in it. And Mari stared at Rem and began screaming at him, saying, you are not an architect, you're a pornographic window dresser. And to his credit, rather than being, you know, there was hushed awe among the audience at the attack on the great architect... And um, but rather than being cowering in the face of this, Rem Rose brandished a clenched fist, which he waved towards Mari saying, look who's playing God. And sure enough, there was a screen above Mari in which he was lecturing a fairly terrified bunch of students. And of course, the white hair, the white beard, he was looking rather godlike and so he continued a rather nihilistic rant about all the things he hated about design and most other aspects of life and i sat next to him at the dinner that followed and he repeated the rant and at the end i said well you know you've explained very clearly why you disapprove of so many things are there any things you do approve of and he thought carefully and said yes terrorism and bread and that was it
1: that's amazing Really amazing. amazing. No, I have no uh, just so many anecdotes. I, I simply probably uh, go back to, to, to his, let's say, constant obsession for, uh, let's say, uh, the languages, the formal languages of politics. No? So uh, we all remember the exhibition of Falce Martello, or the other one was a in 1973. So, but I remember well that April 25, is the uh, anniversary of uh, of uh, the victory against the fascists in Italy. No? So, uh, I was I think probably 10, 12 years ago, uh, I was at this public manifestation that we have every every year in in Milan, in Italy, celebration of victory against the fascists, and I was at, let's say. The first uh, lines of the of the cortile of, of the and the uh, insult came and uh, with uh, a red flag and they started to walk though us with the red flag and he was uh, so serious and rigorous for three hours he was walking uh, uh, and Pietro di Luigi, I say, was all this uh, large amazing of thousands of people with uh, all the Democratic Party leaders uh, and so on. And he was alone. And uh, at a certain moment, nobody at the beginning, nobody knew him. But uh, then we all understood that he wanted really to do that. And uh, also the other people started to recognize him like the the leader, the leader of that moment, because he was someone who came from another world, up with this kind of, uh, uh, let's say, also the figure, he uh, also has uh, also aesthetically the presence of uh, the body is so strong, the voice, the position. So uh, that image for me is uh, so important.
0: Oh, it's a wonderful image. And hans Thank Uric. you for these
2: two great, uh, for these two great, uh, for these two great actors.
0: And what is yours? <laughs> I trying. thought it
2: would be your two anecdotes. Should I tell one? <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, please. Please. Yes, I mean, I have two anecdotes. One is that um, we invited him with Stefano to the UF uh, to do a lecture in um, about Utopia Station to the seminar. And um, he basically gave a speech where he told all the students to, to leave the school. <laughs> Um, but he also <laughs> yeah. said that, that, that he should be the dean of the school, remember? That was one of And he made an, a manifesto really uh, against the design world there. And the other anecdote is that it was almost like another ritual we would very often during the Salone Mobile um, visit exhibitions together. And Mari wouldn't really go to shows, but when I was in Milan, I would always ring him and say, and so, come out, you know, let's go and see some exhibitions. And he would occasionally get very irritated in front of a uh, you know, famous designer's celebrated object uh, and at the opening start to scream. And I remember that once he made the whole speech that this is not going to last forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was probably true.
2: Fantastic. Uh, As one of your men said, it's hard to last. But we have final questions.
0: We do, and really... Looking to the future, I mean, the Triennale exhibition is bound to build on the recent growing awareness and appreciation of Mari and his work by fueling even greater interest in it, um, which obviously raises the question as to what's going to happen to his archive, his studio, his collections um, in the future. So Stefano, what needs to be done and what is being done to secure this incredible legacy?
1: Well, uh, we know, we we had, I don't know how it was, maybe four or three years ago, and uh, uh, and we met Enzo, no. And uh, what he was saying was, uh, uh, I I I my intention is to donate my entire collection uh, of works to the city of Milano, no. You remember it? We were there with Enzo housing in the San on condition that no one would be given access to my archives for at least 40 years. And, uh, well, we were a little bit surprised, and we were right "I think it, and say, well, uh, because it was, uh, if I see the future in a kind of optimistic forecast, it will take uh, 40 years before, uh, uh, before a new generation that is not uh, uh, spoiled like today's generation would be able to, 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 to understand what I've done, no? uh, to, 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 let's say, to really understand the profound meaning of things, of my work. So I think that this retrospective it's, uh, it's historical. What Hans has done is uh, so important because uh, we have to respect what he has to do. And, uh, and uh, uh, so the, the, this exhibition will be a, a milestone and uh, and well, I'm very uh, honored and happy to to host it in China.
0: I was going to ask if there are any plans for his studio. I mean, in another of these podcasts, Martino Gamper described the extraordinary experience of going there for the first time and how fascinating and moving it was and how redolent of Mari's spirit and his work. I mean, I was rather hoping it would be preserved for the city as Castiglioni's studio has been, which is just such a wonderful cultural gem for Milan and international visitors coming to the city.
2: Thank you so much, Alice, for bringing this up, because it's a very, I think, urgent point. Stefano and I, from the very beginning, were actually thinking that the exhibition could happen and should happen at the Triennale as a big retrospective with artist's homages. Also, and of course, the homage of Nanda Vigo, uh, the tribute to Enzo, uh, and at the same time, contemporary artists who are inspired by Enzo Mari designers. And then, of course, also the celebration of him as a, as an exhibition designer and we always wanted to basically then also have for people possibility in smaller groups to visit the studio and of course exactly alice as you say with castiglione this amazing work situation the studio um to be basically um part of the exhibition and unfortunately this is too early because it of course wasn't possibly took off the time with castiglione because it's of course very really fragile and needs to be secured and all of that. So we're now going to have a photography documentation, maybe invite the legendary Italian photographer, Mimo Jodice, to actually uh, document. And Dianita Singh, who is the Indian photographer, who is uh, basically based on archive photography. They will both document and photograph the archive, the studio, um, and so on. But of course, there is the worry, there is the concern that in the longer term, that might not be possible. And I think we need to definitely um, save this, uh, office and studio for future generations. And I don't know, Stefano, how you see the situation, what we can do.
1: Oh, no, I, I, it's a very delicate issue because from a certain point of view, we should respect what he asked us to do. So, uh, this, uh, this, um, let's say, <laughs> I am now in, in Ulasa, uh, where Maria Lai, who was another, amazing uh, artist and, of, of the century. And uh, it's, I was very uh, really, uh, impressed by the fact that Maria Lai, before dying, was asking the same thing. So, let's uh, hidden my my words for 50 years, she was asking. And answer so, is the same for 40 years. So, I'm not sure that uh, we can imagine that in the next future we are going to use his uh, uh, studio as a Casa Museo, like, you know, with Castiglioni, with other uh, uh, designers and majesty of, of the Italian mission. I, I'm not so sure, so sure of that. Uh, I think we have to discuss, we have to to open a, let's say, really a, a honest and explicit uh, discussion about that. No, What do you think? I, I no think it's important,
2: that, it's important that we you know it's important that we um we also on the occasion of the exhibition because I think exhibitions are not only about showing work but they're about production of reality, so we should use i think the exhibition and the moment of the exhibition to help with that no? and and uh it's a yeah. it's a good moment to to launch a
1: debate and
2: a discussion
1: yeah okay i i agree i totally agree yes
2: well it's clearly well, essential to Alice.
0: Oh, well, I'm so grateful to you two. It's been wonderful talking to you about Enzo... Mari, and you've both been so generous in sharing your knowledge with this little podcast, but um, more importantly, with the amazing Triennale exhibition, and critically, for years of championing Enzo Mari and helping the rest of the design community and the wider public to realize what an extraordinary designer, maker, activist and maverick he is um the Trionale exhibition i'm sure will be another amazing milestone in mari's career which will introduce his maverick approach to design and design activism to many many more people um so thank you both so much um for talking to me today and arrivederci
2: A presto,
1: un brav- <laughs>